from the Esquire Lounge in downtown Champaign, it's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. 217-351-5357. Now, live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Good evening once again, everybody, and welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk. Indeed, downtown Champaign at the Esquire until 6 o'clock tonight. Scott Ritchie is here. Bob Osmussen is here. Matt Daniels the sports editor of the News Gazette, on special assignment tonight. He is at a daddy-daughter dance with his young daughter. So priorities. I want take, pictures. Uh, I want pictures. You want pictures? I do want pictures. A lot of pictures. I think it would be cool. Well, can you assign a photographer down there to I get this? I think so. I'll bet somebody will take pictures. That should be great. It's down in Savoy, but uh, Matt is uh, not with us tonight. He'll be back next week. A lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Dan Hartlib is in the house. We're going to talk some Illinois baseball with him coming up shortly. The uh, AP uh, ratings are out again today. Illinois, for the fifth straight week, is in the national rankings at number 22. Scott Ritchie is a voter on the AP poll. He's going to tell me how, if the Big Ten is the toughest basketball league in the country, and most people seem to think it is, why are there only four Big Ten teams in the top 25 this week? I, I saw someone mention that, that fact on Twitter as well. And I think probably the, the answer I can give is, you know, before every season starts, all of the voters are given kind of a, a list of guidelines by the, by the AP. And um, one of them is to pay attention to the results. Wins and losses matter, and the Big Ten is beating up on each other. Uh, so some teams, some good teams, are taking maybe more losses than they would in a, a normal year. And um, I think that's why you see you know, just four teams ranked, but then I believe five more are receiving votes. And, I mean, technically, I mean, Michigan State was just outside the top 25 at number 26. I still had them ranked. Um, They're their coaches, Paul, too, are they? Yeah, I think they I were think they 23rd yeah. in the coaches' so. poll, maybe. So. I think the Big Ten is still getting its due. Uh, it has 11 teams in the top uh, probably 40, 35 to, to 40. Um, just so happens right now uh, only four are in the top 25, but I don't think that diminishes you know how good the conference is. Maryland is number nine this week again. Penn State is 13th. Iowa 21st. Illinois 22nd. And as mentioned, Michigan State just on the outside looking in. So one of the two teams will be ranked tomorrow night in that big game at uh, the uh, State Farm Center, sold out, orange out, all that stuff. It should be another good atmosphere uh, tomorrow night. I haven't seen a line on the game yet, have you? Uh, I saw one early one, and it was a uh, pick. So mm, no if you pay attention to those kind yeah, of things. No favorite uh, right now, um, which is, I think, a little telling because most home teams kind of get like a – between one to three points just for being the home team, but uh, apparently the the odds makers, you know, consider maybe Michigan State good enough to, you know, counterbalance any advantage Illinois would have by playing at home. 
Well, we're in the uh, point of the season now where every game is a huge game, and this one especially with both these teams coming in uh, on a little bit of a losing streak. The Illini have dropped two in a row. Michigan State, uncharacteristically, has dropped three in a row. So the Big Ten title might be out of sight for them, but there's still a lot to play for. And I don't know that it is because yeah. they could win you know, several games here down the stretch and because they haven't lost four games in a row at any point in the season since 2000, so 2007, I think I looked that up. So uh, it's kind of a rare moment in Michigan State basketball, but uh, you know, both teams have kind of a lot to play for just to stay in contention for the Big Ten title. And I mean, I'll assume who said as much this morning that, I mean, you know, Michigan State is playing for a lot. Illinois is playing for a lot, and that's why you know, he was expecting it to be you know, a pretty intense game tomorrow. I would think that uh, the quick turnaround is kind of a quick turnaround. You played Friday night and then again uh, Tuesday. I think uh, that's good for the Illini to, to get back out there, and uh, they, they saw what happened in that ball game. The, the first 10 minutes of it were you couldn't have scripted it any better with the, the way the crowd was uh, participating and into that ball game, and that the atmosphere in there hadn't been like that for a little while, and then some coaching or some uh, coaching decisions by Maryland uh, throughout that zone defense. So my point is, the quicker you can get back out there, the better. But they better be expecting something different from Michigan State, even though they don't play zone. I say I think they've played maybe two possessions of zone defense all season. It's just not something that Tom Izzo does. However, uh, he's been around for a while. Pretty smart coach. I think he will have realized what Iowa and Maryland both did to really just kind of bottle up Illinois' offense by playing you know, his zone. So I don't know that Michigan State will play a lot of it, but I won't be surprised if they at least try it until Illinois proves that it can run some competent zone offense. Well, the last two teams against Illinois certainly did, Iowa and then Maryland. Some other uh, headlines, by the way, as I mentioned, Illinois 22nd this week. The uh, Illinois women's basketball team, a big win on the road at uh, Penn State yesterday, 70 to 66. Second big win for a Big Ten win for Nancy Faye's team. Illinois baseball gets started this week on Friday. We're gonna learn more about that with Dan Hartlib. Illinois softball off to a 4-0 start, playing down in Florida over the weekend. Two of those wins against uh, ranked teams out of the SEC, so a 4-0 start for the softball team. Wrestling, a couple of nice wins on the road at Rutgers and at Maryland. The Rutgers win on Friday night was Jim Heffernan's 100th career win as head coach of the Illini wrestling team. Mike Small's men's golf team is on the course as we speak right now at the Sports Authority Mobile Alabama Intercollegiate. There are 14 teams there, and the Illini right now are in fourth place. They're in the second of two rounds on the day, they'll play a third round tomorrow. So the first real competition for the golf team, they had the uh, Tenervin Cup a couple of weeks ago when they played Illinois State down in Florida. That's kind of an exhibition. So this is the season opener for the uh, defending Big Ten champions and uh, certainly the Big Ten favorites this year, the Illini men's golf team. Those are some of the headlines. We've got the phone line open, 3569397. If you have any questions or comments, Give us a call. If you have any questions or comments here at the Esquire, raise your hand. We'll get around to you. On Monday night, Sports Talk at the Esquire. We'll take a break and talk some Illinois baseball for a few minutes with Dan Hartlib after this. Stay with us. You're listening to Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 with the latest news and insights on the Illini live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign. 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Monday Night Sports Talk at the Esquire. 356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to jump in. But for the folks here at the Esquire, say hi to Illinois baseball coach Dan Hartlib getting set to begin his 15th season as head coach of the Fighting Illini, 30th season on the staff. Not trying to make you feel old or anything, but you've been around a while. I'm, I'm old. I get, I'll, I'll take it. Sorry, right, longevity. I think that's some of that's good anyway. Does a coach a week away or five days away from his first game ever know for sure that his team's ready to get going? I'm sure they're anxious to see somebody different, though. There's a point that I always say we need to go play somebody else um, for a couple reasons. One, we need to see where we're at. And there's always two or three guys that are apprehensive to make adjustments. And as soon as they go fail, then all of a sudden we become smarter. <laughs> so we, we need to cross that bridge. We're at that point. Uh, you know, I usually pride myself in, in having at least a little bit of a feel for, you know, how we'll be entering into the first uh, series of the season. We have 18 new guys. We have a lot of young guys. And, and this year, uh, there's a large number of players that need to uh, that need to play and be successful for us that I don't have any idea what they can handle. Some guys have done an unbelievable job in our practices, but when you face a different color uniform, there's something riding on it, uh, sometimes things change. So it's going to be an interesting weekend. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. We'll talk about some of those newcomers as we move along, but talk about some of the guys that you know about and what they bring. We'll start with the closer here at Acton, a preseason All-American uh, selection and uh, the Big Ten Closer of the Year last year and on the Closer of the Year watch list nationally set a Big Ten record 19 saves last year. Talk about him and having him back as a certainly as a base. Well he's also the NCAA saves leader last year and, and uh, you know unbelievable person. Uh, he's a great student athlete. Uh, actually had opportunities to go play professionally and stayed in school because he wanted to finish his degree. Uh, unbelievable person. Uh, you know, it's nice to, to have someone returning that has that type of ability. Uh, someone's very intelligent, as I said. Uh, we just had to do a good job getting him in safe, you know, safe situations. So, uh, you know, it is comforting though. We've had really good uh, closers over the past number of years, and we've been able to get to them, and they've done a good job. Big part of our success. Well, since you kind of know what you have at the back end, um, looking at your starting rotation, you know, Ty Weber is back, but then I think you know, it's going to be all new maybe after him. What what are you maybe looking for out of some new starters, and who do you kind of see maybe stepping into you know, the roles that uh, that are going to be open? You know, it's, it's going to be a little bit different this year, how we handle these first few trips. Uh, what we are looking at doing this first weekend is, is going into three different games and doing kind of a piggyback system. We feel like we have six guys that could start. Uh, so, you know, we'll go with Ty Weber and probably Nate Lavender the first uh, weekend or the first game, second game. Uh, Ty Rabarczyk, uh now you're testing me. I'm going to have to come back to that one. Uh, on Sunday, we'll go with Aiden Maldonado and Cole Kershiper. You know, the, again, there's a number of guys that we're stretching out as starters, although the first weekend guys will only probably throw four or five innings at a time. So th there are a lot of things I think will unfold. I'm pleased with the way our guys have gone about their business. Our pitching coach, new pitching coach, Mark Allen's done an unbelievable job with these guys. Uh, we're going to have pitching depth. And uh, again, I'm excited about where we're at from a pitching standpoint. And we have an opportunity to continue to get much better there. Coach, you're going to North Carolina for those first weekend. How'd you end up playing there? <laughs> well, that's a long story. We got uh, time. 
I figured that. <laughs> figured that. So we were supposed to be out in, in uh, Phoenix, okay. and we were going to play in uh, at the Angels Complex. It was something that we uh, committed to about two years ago. Well, as, as this thing started to unfold, they were supposed to have six teams, and they ended up with five teams. And I don't know what happened in there. And so we get the schedule, and our airline flights were getting in late Thursday night, and they had us playing a doubleheader starting at 11 o'clock on Friday. Well, that means you're leaving the hotel at 7.30 in the morning after getting in late. Uh, it's not – I mean, that's not a great situation to start with, but then keeping the guys out there for a doubleheader, I just thought we were opening ourselves up to injury. And then you look forward – uh, the next day, we were off. We weren't even playing. And then Sunday, we had a late uh, late game scheduled. And so the, the schedule was terrible. I tried to talk to the people uh, that that uh, you know were involved with it. And it was fairly typical. Um, I got an answer the first time, gave them an idea the second time, didn't hear, hear anything for 10 days. Uh, I found somewhere else to go, which is Wake Forest. Uh, I sent an email, very nice email, uh, telling them, that we were going to pull out of the tournament because of the schedule. And like immediately, I got an email back where they were trying to call my work number. So, it, you know, we have to protect our players. Sure. Uh, it's going to be a little bit cooler, probably a lot cooler. Uh, but um, it's going to be very good competition. Uh, I really have great respect for Tom Walters. Uh, he is the uh, head coach at, uh, at Wake Forest. Uh, we were fortunate, or I was fortunate enough to, to meet him and be around him as we worked with USA Baseball one summer. And uh, Tom's a special person. If, if you look at his history, he's been very successful. But he's the coach that gave one of his kidneys to one of his players several wow. years ago. Special person. Cool. Talking Illinois baseball with Dan Hartlip. Any questions here at the Esquire? Raise your hand. We'll get a microphone around to you. You mentioned your new pitching coach, Mark Allen, Drew Dickinson, took a job at Virginia. Talk a little bit about Drew leaving at, at first and then uh, tell us more about Mark Allen. Well, we've had a lot of pitching success. And, uh, you know, I'm always uh, proud of our coaches when they get opportunities. Uh, you know, Drew had a great opportunity to move to another, you know, really good baseball school. Uh, Salary-wise, it was a no-brainer move. Uh, I'm friends with the head coach there, and, and uh, he's somebody that will treat his assistants well. So. You know, it's a good opportunity for, for Drew to move on. Um, and, and I think it's also healthy because this is all Drew ever knew. He, he played here, he, he coached here. And so to continue to move on and, and uh, help his career, I thought it was a great move for him. So uh, about a week before uh, Drew left, I had uh, started to reach out uh, to different people to, to make sure that I had some, some options. Uh, there were some people that I had in mind, uh, but I reached out to two of our former players that are in professional baseball. Both those players know each other, but they don't know each other well. They just know who each other are. And I asked them for names of people that they thought would be good. And independently, they both gave me the same name. Uh, they also told me, one of them told me, don't even interview him, just hire him if you can get him. And, and the other one told me that he would be the right person, we'd never be able to hire him. And so um, had uh, had a interesting first meeting with my flu we, we had to work around his schedule. Uh, we waited about two extra weeks because I f uh, wanted to get him uh, back home so I could fly down and meet his wife. Uh, I thought that was important. Uh, we, we all know how important that can be. Uh, so we waited until after instructional league. He uh, is from Texas. 
I flew down to Texas, uh, went from the airport, uh, met them at a Cracker Barrel. Uh, we sat in the corner. I talked to his wife for the first two hours, and she had to leave and go to work. And then Mark and I spent about four hours together, jumped back on a plane and came here. And uh, then he agreed to come here on campus. Uh, we had a great interview, and, and our people did a good job. Josh stepped up to help us to, to get that, that situation taken care of. And uh, Mark's really good. I mean, he's, he's got an unbelievable background. He's been an area scout. He's been a cross-checker. He was a national cross-checker for all of Cleveland's pitching. So he made the decision. Uh, decisions on who they were going to draft. Uh, then he was uh, a pitching coordinator, a minor league coach as well during that time. And then uh, he was one year with uh, San Francisco as a pitching coordinator. So he was in charge of their pitching from the minor leagues or every minor league uh, uh, pitcher and, and everything that they were going to do in the minor league system. So his background's unbelievable. I didn't hear any collegiate experience there. Was that a factor that you think about? He actually did have some collegiate yeah, okay. experience. Yeah, I just I jumped over that yeah, one a little bit. He, he's made, he played at a call, small college. He coached at a small college, and then he coached at a junior college. And so that was a factor. The, the thing that um, he and I agree on a lot of things with professional baseball, is there's a lot of great things there. Uh, but they've gone, in my opinion, off the deep end with technology, and they're making so many decisions based solely on technology and they're leaving out the human element. Uh, when I talked to Mark's wife, it was funny. We sat down at a table. I had never met Mark, just talked to him on the phone. He and his wife walked in, said hello to both of them. We sat down, and I said, Angie, I want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to this guy. And he sat there like a puppy in the corner for like two hours, just like, you know, the guy won't even talk to me. But the, the thing that stands out to me, uh, one of the first things she told me is that Mark is uh, excited about looking at this opportunity because he wants to have an impact on young people and wants to teach the game. And so that's one of the, the big reasons he's here and uh, you know, working with our guys. This is a little bit off topic, but not really, but it, it just popped into my mind. Stealing signs in baseball has been going on since Abner Doubleday and Lauren Tate got together to, to invent the game of baseball. But uh, with the Astros uh, situation, what, what were your thoughts on all of that? Obviously, stealing signs is something that's part of the game, but they kind of took it to a whole new level, didn't they? Lauren, I didn't say that, so you got to still be nice to me in the paper. <laughs> Stealing signs, it's part of the game. Uh, you know, if, if pitchers are tipping pitches, uh, you know, coaches can't conceal the signs, players can't conceal them. That, that's part of the game. Uh, to do it electronically, that steps over the line, and, and that's where you have the issues. Uh, you know, I, I can a great story from when I was a player. Now, that's been a long time ago, I know, and we, we didn't have all the, the video, uh, but uh, when I was playing at Southern, we were playing Evansville, and Andy Bennis uh, was pitching against us, and, and he only lost one game his junior year, and he ended up being what the first pick, he was the first pick in the country. Uh, their middle infielders would signal every pitch to the outfielders so they could get jumps, whether it was a breaking ball or fastball, and we would signal them from the bullpen to our hitters, and we, we absolutely hammered him one to nothing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we, we had every sign and still couldn't hit the guy. It was amazing. Um, so, again, stealing signs is, is a big part of, of baseball at all levels. But, again, the electronic stuff is where we've crossed the line and, and uh, you take away that kind of that pure old school baseball when you do that. Coach, are there some guys, batters, that don't want to know? Or, that, you know, there are guys that don't want that help. I mean, I would think everybody has their own way to approach the plate. Yeah, that's a great question. Right. Uh, there, there are some hitters that don't want to know uh, because they just want to go in there and they want to react and recognize. Mm -hmm. right. 
you put one more thought and some of those guys' heads are in trouble. Yeah. The thing that drives me crazy is you got that guy hitting 100 and he doesn't want to know. And it's like, well, what do you have to lose? You're already hitting 100. Let's try to hit 101 at least. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's an individual thing. Do you think, uh, like, a Ted Williams soul science or would, would be part of, that, part of that or you don't, don't think he needed it? I don't think he needed it, but right. I, I would think that he's the type of person, and I don't mean that in a bad way, the type of person, if he could get an advantage, of course, would right. take advantage of it. You know, I mean, if, if somebody's tipping their pitches, I watch, I watch pitchers, you know, as soon as they go out to see if we can figure out uh, what they're throwing or, or, you know, figure out a way to gain that advantage. Right. We're talking Illinois baseball and baseball in general with Dan Hartlib. Any questions? Raise your hand. We'll get around to you. Let's talk more about um, your personnel. You're excited about uh, some of the people you have coming in, some of the new guys, some of the returners. What, how, how will this team maybe look different at maybe, say, midseason than last year's team that finished third in the Big Ten? Well, I, I hope over these you know, next few weeks we really mature as a group. Uh, I'll have a better feel again for, for what guys are, are capable of handling at, the, at least this point in their career. Uh, we're jumping in the frying pan. I mean, you look, the first weekend's tough. We go to Coastal Carolina the, uh, next or the following weekend. Uh, we have Western Carolina. We have uh, Coastal Carolina, which won the College World Series three or four years ago. And we have uh, uh, West Virginia. Those are all good teams. And then we, we go, we play an easy series, and we go play Texas A&M, UCLA, <laughs> and Oklahoma State. So... Uh, we're going to find out a lot about our guys, and, and we're going to have some freshmen that are going to be out there. And, and uh, the, the thing that'll, it's not funny, but it is, we'll get a chuckle out of this after the fact. When we step on the field to take batting practice on, uh, on Friday, uh, we'll probably have some guys that have yellow pants because <laughs> they won't know what to do. And, and we'll have some guys that are like deer in headlights. Uh, it's going to be like you know going going with your preschool group to to their first day of class, um, but I'm really excited about the talent. I know that you know once we get a few games in our belt, guys will settle down, and uh, I think we'll be able to play at a high level before it's over with. I'm really excited. I've, I've told the, the uh, coaches this. We have to be very smart about how we handle this team because I think we can be good this year. I think we can be really good a year from now, and so. Uh, there is a development process, there's a learning process, and, and we just have to be smart about how we handle it. I'd say maybe one of the reasons you have you know, a lot of newcomers is because you had another successful draft, you know, several guys, you know, certainly underclassmen as well taken, or juniors, I suppose. Um, how do you kind of balance both sides of that coin where maybe you want, you know, to have guys drafted and, you know, have that for the program as a whole, but also knowing you have to replace Michael Maskey and Ben Troike up the middle and, you know, may deal with that side of things as well. If you look at our history, we, we'll go, I think, two or three years and be really good, and we may uh, take a step back for a year and, and rebuild a little bit, and then we jump back up. You know, I'm comfortable doing things that way. We're one of the only schools in the country um, that does not over-recruit, doesn't under, uh, um, overextend scholarships. I won't run guys off because, you know, they're struggling. Uh, from a from a baseball standpoint, and so you're going to see those peaks and valleys a little bit, um, but but I actually enjoy these years because you see so much growth from the first day they step on campus until the first game, and then you'll see so much growth between the first game and the middle of the season. 
Uh, I will take the junior drafts all the time. If you have junior drafts, you're probably a pretty good team. If you don't have junior drafts, you're probably not very good. And I'll never forget this. Itch Jones told me, he said, seniors can be either really good or they're going to be a cancer because they, they weren't uh, junior drafts, and so they're bitter about what's going on. Sometimes they can cause trouble. So uh, you want to have a, a decent amount of junior drafts, and you want to have seniors, uh, you know, if they aren't drafted as juniors, that are locked in and good leaders. Uh, this group that we have this year, uh, absolutely love this group. The, the leadership that we have is unbelievable. Our seniors have done such a good job. Uh, you know, some years you have groups that are tough. Uh, this group, it's fun to go to practice every single day. Even even when I have to get on them about certain things, it's still fun to be there every day. I haven't had to babysit anybody, uh, and that's kind of nice. How many scholarships do you have to work with? Not enough. Uh, we So the NCAA limit is 11.7, uh, and we ended up at 11.7, but way back. Now this has been probably 25, 30 years ago. We had 13 scholarships. And back then, the NCAA went across the board, and everybody lost 10%. And so that's how we ended up at 11.7. And as usual, the NCAA wasn't smart enough to go to 11 or 12. We had to go to 11.7. <laughs> we can have 25 on scholarship. We can have 35 on our roster. The minimum that baseball is allowed to give is 25%. Uh, we, in our program, we don't have anybody on a full ride. Usually, if you're giving full rides, those are guys that, that end up uh, – uh, being you know decent drafts, you don't ever get them in into school. So uh, it's what we deal with, what we work with, and and we've been successful with what we have. The the NCAA has the schools have so much money now. We're looking everything's being built, you know, big stadium expansions, all this. How is it not possible to fund more scholarships in baseball? That, make, that makes literally no sense. Well, one of the big factors right now is everything that's happening in football and basketball. And, right. Know, the, 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 and, that, and that's a really sore subject with me. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't well, bring it the, the thing that bothers me is, you know, you have, you have certain sports that have full rides, and everybody's on a full ride. Right. Yet they're talking about how to get those people more money. And you look, we have some guys not on scholarship. We have guys that are on 25% scholarship. Uh, the, the people that are pushing for those athletes to get more money – uh, have not looked at the big picture. And, and I think it's, uh, it's a scary situation, the NCAA, right now, because if you start paying uh, players at, at certain levels, I think you'll see certain schools start dropping sports. And right. Baseball's a target, I would think, it's some mid-majors because of the number of players that we have and the expense of the sport. Baseball's an expensive sport when you start looking at the Insurance. number of players that you have and the scholarships and travel and those types of things. But you also have, I know for the, for the NCAA, they make a lot of money. So they, they're not going to let that, that happen, I wouldn't think. They want to have this sport continue at a strong level, don't they? Because how, how good it is for them financially. Well, the, the up until a few years ago when we went to the college playoff system and the NCAA did not make money off any football championship because right. it was all bowl games. Baseball was the number two revenue sport at the championship level. It was, basketball, right. yeah, it was Final Four, uh, you know, college basketball, and then it was baseball. And I, I didn't see the figures for this year, but I think our national championship uh, makes uh, in excess of $11 million yeah. per year. So spend that money on scholarships. And I also think – I would say the same thing to Jim Heffernan for wrestling. They don't have enough either. I mean, I think you guys are all kind of in the same boat. And it's really unfortunate, given all the other craziness being spent on it, just makes no sense to me. I don't disagree, but put me in charge. I can't. See, yeah, <laughs> I don't think they want that. Actually, <laughs> you don't want that. Believe me. No. 
Bob's got no filters these days, so. Never have a filter. He'd be in the. Be a good guy to be in charge. Is this weekend the soonest that any college baseball team could start playing? In other words, the Southern teams haven't started playing games yet, have they? No, but it, tell you what was interesting. I was texting with uh, with our son, and, and they had games. He's at a junior college, and he, they had games this weekend. And they were back at the hotel, and I asked him what he was doing, and he said he was watching uh, the Hawaii game. So I don't know if maybe Hawaii, because of their location, you know, it was allowed to start a little bit earlier, uh, but the, the common start date is Friday. And so I would think anybody that started early would have to have a waiver. So, no, it, it's, it's different. The Southern teams used to, you know, be open. They'd be starting in the middle of January. Yeah. And you'd go play the Southern teams, and they'd have 20 games under their belt. But uh, that doesn't happen anymore. Speaking of scheduling, how did you try to get a series with Hawaii over there? <laughs> you want to try to get that on schedule for us, too, see if we can get enough yeah, money to go to Hawaii? I, do, I think that's fine if you want to go to Hawaii. Since you're in charge now, let's see what we can I, get accomplished. I definitely, I definitely send you there or Arizona or somewhere warm. You should uh, talk to your buddy Mike Small because he got that done with his golf team. They're heading that way. I would love to go back to Hawaii. The, the problem is when, when you start going to Hawaii um, with the number of days of school, we can only miss, and this, this seems like a large amount, and it is, we can miss 10 days of school per year or per semester. Uh, and when you start looking at um, the number of days of school we miss uh, with Fridays uh, on the road in the Big Ten, it just doesn't fit in our schedule. The, the thing that kind of handcuffs us there is the fact that our spring break is so late that most Division I schools um, are already done with their spring break, and so there's not Division I schools to play. If our spring break were earlier, we would have the opportunity to go to Hawaii, and they usually give you very good guarantees. That, it doesn't offset the extra cost, but it, it helps out somewhat. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe we can charter a couple flights and get there. I'll let you work on that too, Bob. I'm, I'm on it. All right. Let's talk about uh, the Big Ten portion of your schedule. There's a lot that you want to find out about your team before then. But uh, when Big Ten play gets started late March, who, who's the favorite in your mind going into the Big Ten race? The, the, the Big Ten has gotten so good. I mean, it's a dogfight every, uh, every weekend. There used to be some teams that you would expect to win three games, and um, if you only won two, you were upset. And now you, just, you have to absolutely fight and claw every single weekend. So the Big Ten's good from top to bottom. Uh, Ohio State has uh, three starters back that are really good. Uh, I think Michigan you know, has a good nucleus back. They did lose some pitching, but they've got a very good nucleus back. Uh, Minnesota has probably the, the top pitcher uh, in the uh, Big Ten, if not the country. And so they're going to be really good on Friday night. They've got an older club. Uh, I, I think they're going to be up towards the top. Indiana's found a way to get up there. Once they got their new facility, they've really jumped up towards the top and stayed up there. Uh, I think talent-wise, we're good enough to be in that upper uh, portion. Uh, we'll see mentality-wise if we're good enough to be in that upper portion. Speaking of new facilities, can you give us an update on yours? How are things going? Well, it's, it's very difficult uh, to, to move it with any speed when you're dealing with the, the entire system. And I, I'm not saying that is bad. I mean, there's so many people that, that are involved. Uh, we have so many construction meetings. Uh, right now, the timeline looks like uh, next Christmas that the project would start somewhere in, in December in that area. And then we're supposed to be uh, up and running by the 22 season. Uh, I'm really excited about the drawings that I've seen. Uh, we still need to tweak some things, and, and uh, you know, there, there's some always, I wouldn't say problems come up, but some, some obstacles. Uh, but I do like the initial uh, renderings, 
it's you know finally we're going to have a grand entrance it, it, I don't think many people think about this because we're used to it but it, it bothers me every time we bring a recruit on campus you drive off of Kirby Florida uh, into a parking lot that has uh, black standards with with change and they're bent and they're rusted half the time it's a gravel parking lot that's got potholes in it there's a nice pretty blue dumpster sitting right there and then you actually get to see the chain link fence that you know it's like 36 years old so finally we're going to have a grand entrance and, and when you when the, when the renderings go public um, it's going to be really nice for people to have a grand entrance to Illinois field and understand okay you know we're taking this program serious who's got the best baseball facility in the big ten nebraska by far and away uh we if you look at where we're at right now um there's only two that are behind us uh, rutgers is behind us and so is maryland and other than that we're right down at the bottom so there's a lot of people that are in front of us but nebraska has a field that they built that's also uh, used by a independent team uh, they'll draw you know, we're playing out there. They're drawing five and 6,000 people. It's an unbelievable atmosphere. You know, I'm hopeful eventually that we can get to a point where we could build something that's going to draw people in like that because I think the product's good. Uh, once you, you get, you know, that, that great stadium uh, along within the indoor, I think our program could be a program that uh, on a year-in, year-out basis should be in the top 25. Three games this weekend for Dan Hartlib's Illinois baseball team against Milwaukee Friday, Seton Hall Saturday. Wake Forest Sunday down in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Dan Hartlib, everybody. Thanks for coming out, Dan. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Appreciate being on. We'll have Dan back uh, once the baseball season gets underway, and we'll have him back here at the Esquire as well and on the Monday night show. We'll take a time out and be back with more Monday night sports talk from the Esquire in downtown Champaign after this. It's Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 with the News Gazette Media Sports Writers. Live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign. Buy their famous burgers or specialty pizzas while you watch the game. Welcome back to the show. Another five or six minutes on Monday Night Sports Talk. Thanks to Dan Hartlib for stopping by to talk about his Illinois baseball team, which opens the season this weekend. A big basketball game, uh, Scott Ritchie and Bob Osmussen tomorrow night at the State Farm Center, Michigan State in town. A big uh, game for each team in different ways, both coming off uh, losing streaks. But uh, Illinois needs a win in a bad way to uh, stay in the uh, upper echelon. One of the goals, obviously, is, is to try to get a top four seed in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I mean, that double bye can really come in handy. And, I mean, it doesn't get any easier for Illinois you know, after Tuesday's game either because they had traveled two Rutgers on Saturday. Rutgers has not lost at home this year. And then they play at Penn State next week, and uh, Penn State jumped up into the top 15 this week. I mean, they're 18-5 and five and playing really well, and, I mean, that's basically life in the Big Ten, you know, this season. But winning at home, I mean, winning any home game, I think has to almost has to happen for any Big Ten team that's kind of, you know, competing for that Big Ten title. Scott, when Illinois won those seven in a row, did you think – well, they might lose the next five, but you never thought that. I never thought that, did you? That, but that's the situation they're in now. Yeah, well, I didn't think that their winning streak would continue just based on well, the just teams, right? how crazy the Big Ten has been this year. And part of Illinois winning seven in a row is just how topsy-turvy the, the conference is. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know that losing the next five 
you know, popped into my head, or if it did, it was a brief moment just because Ono was playing. I mean, it may not perfect all the time, but they were finding different ways to win those games in January, and you know, at least in February so far, maybe not figuring things out on the fly and you know, figuring out how to play against the zone defense right. would have probably come in handy the last two games. The schedule really softens up after, after this next trip. Yeah, when they it really get back up. from Penn State, then they've got Nebraska, Nebraska Northwestern back-to-back, right. back, uh, and then uh, Indiana at home. And right. I mean, Indiana's won a fair number of games. I've watched them some. I don't think they're that good. Yeah, they don't have any shooters, so it fits in pretty well with Illinois, who struggles right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is you know the heart of the Big Ten schedule. Is the, it's the toughest for Illinois, and if they can make it through with a win or two here in the right. next couple of weeks, that – could go a long way in you know, putting together a strong finish. Looking ahead a little bit, don't like to do that too much, but it's all kind of fun. Uh, fans like to do that. Uh, Adam Miller was in the house the other night for the uh, ball game, and his possible, probable future teammate in Andre Curbelo. If you if folks have looked at any uh, Andre Curbelo video on the Internet, you should do it. He's a point guard, and Scott's going to tell us more about him, but he's having a... A great season. He had a great weekend. Yeah, um, probably got his most national attention. You know, this weekend, uh, his team Long Island Lutheran played against Sierra Canyon, uh, which is a team in California has three five-star players on it uh, in a couple different classes, and then the sons of both LeBron James and Dwayne Wade are on that team as well. Uh, and Curbelo and his team beat them on Saturday, and Curbelo had. I think it's stats off the top. I had 23 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, three steals, uh, and like he set the tone for the game. Like he he. Sierra Cannon's had a bunch of games on TV because they have you know, good players and also sons of you know famous players, but you know Curbelo was the highlight of that game. He broke one full court press by himself, uh, dribbled the ball between an opponent's legs to get out of a, a double team and then went coast-to-coast coast and hit a floater. He's really, really good, probably under-ranked under right now. He's still top 50. Um, he's arguably, if not the best point guard in the class, top two or three. Um, and a lot of the recruiting rankings, at least I know 24-7 sports, theirs are based on who's going to be the best pro, not necessarily the best college player. Andre Curbelo could play right now at Illinois and run the point and be really good. So between him and Adam Miller, who I, got, I talked with him on Friday night, and he is 100% in on Illinois. He's been really happy you know, the way the team has played. Uh, mentioned that a couple times, in fact. Uh, so those two uh, could be a pretty dynamic backcourt. Realistically, what's this team look like a year from now? given the potential for people to leave there on the team right now. I assume I probably goes, but I guess we don't know for sure, do we? Yeah, well, something's going to have to happen because the scholarship math doesn't quite add up right okay. now. Uh, Adam That's Miller doesn't have a scholarship currently open, but uh, it, there will be one. And most likely it'll be Io You're going to the NBA. But, I mean, a lot of next year's, the way next year's team looks kind of depends on what Kofi Coburn does. I, mean, I don't think he's not a first-round pick now, but if he were to go into the draft, someone takes a flyer on him in the second round for sure. Uh, say he comes back, pair him with Trent Frazier, Adam Miller, Andre Cabell in the backcourt. Austin Hutcherson will be eligible as a really good shooter. 
Georgia will be back. DeMonte to play defense. Pretty good team. I mean, that's a Big Ten title contender again because right. they are this year. I was going to ask Bob about Illinois football recruiting, but we don't have time. We'll do next that. time. We'll do that next week because that might be a, a subject we want to talk a little bit about. Thanks to everybody tonight here at the Esquire. We appreciate you coming out. Thanks to Dan Hartlib, Illini baseball coach. For Bob Osmus and Scott Ritchie, Ed Bond, I'm Steve Kelly on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll see you again here next week. Thanks a lot.